Hi, Little Gifts community, and welcome back to the Growing Presence podcast. Today, we're counting down our 25 parenting tips in care, connection, curiosity, creativity, and community. We're on tip number nine. Yay! Connection, adding value is what I call this one. Whenever you are experiencing a challenge, add a few more minutes of quality togetherness. What does this look like? And how is this different from tip number seven about having little moments of quality connection? Well, they're very much related, but the thing is the consistency of your connection with your child is going to be determined many times by their behavior. And we also have to remember, and I said this before, that each child is an individual and they'll have individual needs for connection. I choose to use the word connection and not attention because when we talk about children as having attention-seeking behavior, we're going back again to a behavioral model which is saying that there's just one issue, there's one problem-solving thing we have to get to the bottom of. In the Parent Coaching Institute training that I had, we look at the world through the eyes of living systems principles which comes from ecology. We're saying that your family is a unique little system in this earth and that you know what little changes you can put into that little living system to tap into the positive core so that you're going to see the transformation that you want to see. There's one caveat. So when people come to me, often they come with this intentionality of, I want to change my child. So how do I stop my child from hitting? How do I stop my child from, uh, from talking back to me? It's, it's all about myself as a change agent being able to do one thing or just a, a few things that's going to make my child make, force a behavioral change. If we really look at that and unpack the language that we're using. Yes, we're their child's leader. We're not their child lord and commander. And we cannot assume that our children are things for us to mold and shape. We need to understand our child within the living system has certain needs just like we do. And what I always go back to is the positive psychology um, self-determination theory. Within the self-determination theory, which talks a lot about motivation and how to basically look at intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and and the development of that, because obviously your two-year-old is not going to have an intrinsic desire to clean his surroundings because he understands that it's his responsibility and that we all have to take part in the stewardship of our environment. But as a child gets older, seven, eight, nine, that there should be more of an internalization of why we're doing this, but it's still an external, you know, that it's something that we do kind of thing. Within this motivation theory, they have the three psychological needs. And the three needs basically have to do with relatedness, which is 
basically our connection to people in our environment. And it's going to go from the home, central home core for young, young children to school and beyond as they get older. Competencies. So what skills do our children need to feel effective in their environment? And then autonomy, not having free will, but rather having some kind of control in the purpose of their life. So um, I'm doing something out of a need to live in my truth or live in my, my values. And that all of us have these needs. So if you look at an adult, if you look at a child, they all have this need. And you can see it start with young, young children that are, you know, starting to walk this need for autonomy. But it's not really linked to a deeper purpose. Although Montessori would say that their children are basically wired for, for things and that we need to look at what the inner teacher is showing them, what it's guiding them to do, and honor that. So... Even with young, young children who want to go to, uh, you know, open up drawers over and over again, that they're trying to satisfy a need and that we as adults need to provide a safe alternative that gives them the same kind of activity to satisfy the same need in, in a way that is secure and in a way that is honoring what they want to do, that this is something that they've chosen to do. This is their work. And, uh, when you start to have this mind shift, the paradigmatic shift that I talk about in parenting is looking at the role of the adult as steward of the environment, very much like Montessori looked at, and the adult's emotional responses to the environment are very integral to the way a child is nurtured in that space. Connection is the core for every human being on earth, we need to feel like we are part of something bigger. And as we get older, it becomes not independence, but interdependence. There was a lovely quote from someone in a webinar the other day, and I will try to find that, uh, the person who authored it. But it really isn't our goal to have independent children, it's interdependent children. And I think thinking about that in the long term really helps us to hone in on our responsibility in terms of building a connective, attuned relationship with our children so that they can have success in their relationships in the future. I'm going to share a story with you that's a bit revealing. And I recently wrote an article about this for LinkedIn, and I haven't published it yet because I wanted to wait to do this podcast to kind of introduce it. My child has been through many transitions and a lot of people in expat environments can understand this. Some children have lagging skills in transitions or in change and they've shown this kind of throughout their, their small lifespan. Dr. Ross Green talks about lagging skills that Children want to do well. No child really wants to not do well 
it's that they're having problems in their environment. They either have uh, lagging skills or unmet needs. And then it's the job for the parent to take a look at what's going on and embracing that hypocritical self that we've talked about, embracing the possibility that the parent has a role in uh, creating a tension for the child or a situation uh, escalation, which is highly possible. And not blaming or shaming yourself, but just kind of looking at this picture and seeing where you maybe fit and how this could have contributed to um, something getting misunderstood or maybe behavior being mirrored. So if you're hitting and your child starts hitting, it's, it's kind of an obvious thing. I was at the park the other day with dear friends of mine and I saw um, how some families that do have corporal punishment can actually teach their kids to uh, to do the same on other kids. So if he hit you, you hit them. But the thing is, in in this uh, thing that I saw, there was no uh, assumption of of blame for the person that actually did the thing first. It didn't matter because one parent thought it was, it was their child and the other parent thought it was their child. And both parents believed in this kind of philosophy. And in the end, who started it? It was, it was the other boy. And it was kind of funny because the parent went and confronted the other parent and he's like, well, your kid is the one who hit my kid. So this kind of illustrates to me the, the pointlessness, the futility of punishing based on who did something first. Number one, if you think about it in a sibling relationship, both of them probably have some kind of culpability. One of them may be teasing the other to make the behavior happen. We don't want to talk about who's to blame. And this is something that when we talk about conflict resolution, you don't want to place so much of your uh, energy onto the person that's victimizing. So the one that's doing the hitting, for example. We want to go first to the victim and extend empathy to show the child, oh, it's not, it's not really nice to, to be hit by others. It doesn't feel good. So if I'm hitting someone else, I'm causing someone pain. They don't really understand that. So we, in Rye, uh, Magda Gerber's approach and, and a lot of kind of peaceful parenting practices, they recommend if something happens, if someone's hit, that you uh, first go to the victim, you give them a lot of empathy, and then to the person that is doing the, uh, the hitting, you extend empathy as well, and you ask, how can I help you? And it depends on the age level, the extent to which you actually ask this question. For very small children, you want to show empathy for the other child, quickly uh, separate them, try to make sure they don't connect blows if, if possible or scratches or whatever's going on, separate them and say, uh, I don't want you to do that. So you're setting a boundary. You're setting a boundary. With older kids, they kind of know the boundary. They're going to keep pushing that boundary. And it's not, again, 
their cortical development is not there for doing something with absolute uh, knowledge of why they're doing something. It's more they want to get in. And sometimes it could be, what do they want? They want connection. So they realize that if I do this thing, I'm going to get connection. And I'm going to, I'm, again, I'm avoiding the word attention. I'm going to say connection because when we think of attention, we put a very negative slant on it as if these kids need it to, you know, have our attention is a bad thing. It's really not. It's a very normal thing. We all want the, uh, the attention of the people around us and we don't want to be ignored. So it could be a sign we're being ignoring them. It could be a sign they need more of something from us. It could be a sign that they're overwhelmed with their environment and they're having a great deal of trouble. So often I come at it with, you're having a lot of trouble today with something. You know, how can I help you? And sometimes the best way to help is to say, you know, if this happens once, because we know so before going into the park, we have, or outside, I have three rules with my son. I say rule number one, uh, you being gentle with your voice, with your body, with your um, hands, with your feet. <laughs> I might be very specific that day. The second thing is listening to the adults in your party. And when I say adults in your party, I mean, I name them. So mom, dad, grandma, whoever. Um, I don't want them to necessarily listen to other adults because we know other adults can say things that, that maybe aren't going to gel with our, our parenting life. And I will tell them who they need to really listen to because in terms of safety, I want him to understand that he needs to come back to me. So if he's having problems controlling himself, and this is how I phrase it, you come and see me. If you're having trouble not hitting someone, come and see your parents. And it really works. The third rule is rule number three, stay with me. And although my son never had these big issues of running away, he occasionally did. And so I just would really cement the fact that, you know, even though I'm far away sometimes in your play and you're playing over, you know, 300 yards away or whatever, I'm still there and you still have a boundary. And so he feels safe. When everything is about safety, again, humans are wired for safety. So how can I make my child feel safe? When they're hitting, they're obviously not feeling safe. So we have to get down to the, the bottom of it. What is going on that's causing the hitting? Is it a lagging skill, something about transitions or a trigger in the environment? Is it an unmet need? Uh, I could see patterns very easily in my son's uh, occasional hitting before. And one of the things was his overtiredness or hunger. And this is common with so many children. And often we don't really pay attention to that. So a lot of times if you're at the park and you're having fun, you don't see the escalation. You don't see the hyperregulation until it's too late. And a lot of the times I'd have to... Uh, kind of chase my son where I would see where it's coming. He's about to hit someone in his environment because just one little thing is going to tip him over the edge and it's going to make him hit other people. But what was happening uh, in a recent transition that we had with school transition and keeping in mind that my son has been to multiple schools because part of it was my Montessori training. I did internships and he was at three schools for that. 
and then uh, he was at uh, a few a few nurseries, one close to where we were, another one is a little bit farther. It was a homeschool. Then he was in KG, which was too far, unfortunately, because of the bus ride. And uh, we changed him back to another school. Realizing that my son, in the beginning, does not deal very well with transitions, I knew that this was going to be problematic. When a caretaker came to stay with us a few years ago, he started to run at her and, and hit her. And I saw that hitting behavior in his, when he was about three and a half, around the time that uh, his sister was born. And I could see where it was coming from, and I was able to meet that need. And again, it was it was connection and a bit of a the autonomy piece, a bit of having this ownership in his environment. So we actually created a snack area for him so that he could access his food, he can get his cereal out, and that made actually a world of difference. So I went back to the DC and Ryan, the, the three needs of relatedness, competencies, and, uh, and autonomy. And it was a bit of both the competencies and autonomy, if you think about it. So what skills does he need to have in order to uh, pour his own cereal, for example? Uh, what skills does he need to have in order to uh, be able to make changes quicker? Uh, obviously he's going to need to have some calming down strategies to understand that hitting is not part of our shared value system and that he needs to um, kind of stop himself and he's not capable of stopping himself because he's only at this time four and that I know that and then it's my responsibility to step in and it's my responsibility to ensure that hitting doesn't happen. And it's hard because when you have a new baby or you have a new transition in your life as an adult, you go through stress as well. And then you're creating, you're exacerbating with your interbrain connection with your child. You're giving stress to them. They're giving stress back to you. And it's just kind of a stress cycle. So Dr. Shunker's book on uh, self-reg talks about breaking the stress cycle with your child. And reading that really opened my eyes and I started to see that perhaps there were some sensory integration issues going on with, with my son, that uh, he was running at this caretaker before and running at me and had done it on multiple occasions because perhaps he was trying to meet a need for touch that wasn't being met or a certain kind of pressure that he needed. And when I looked at uh, like pressure suits and things like this with kids, and I was thinking, this sounds like my son. And then I started to connect the dots with uh, eye contact, and he needed more eye contact. He needed more of this. Uh, why he'd, he'd always been very avoidant of, of eye contact, but he really needed it. It was just hard for him, and it's hard for any child really to sustain eye contact. It's particularly harder for boys. So I put all these pieces together, and this is just to show you kind of an example of what you can do and how you can, we don't call it problem solving, but how you can add value to the environment to create a space for something to kind of either resolve itself or for conversation to come out of it. And like what happened with us, and I put it in the article, the conversation came out.
that revealed everything to us as adults that we were able to see, oh, he was having such a hard time. He was really struggling in his environment. It was so challenging for him to have uh, new situations uh, without, you know, being aware of what comes next and having that expectation piece. Uh, this was something that we noticed in him with, with devices. So if we told him in advance we were going to take the device away in 30 minutes or 20 minutes, 10 minutes, my, my husband's very good about that, actually. And sometimes I would forget and that he needed that kind of timing and he needed that expectation. And even when he knew it was going to be taken away, he still was occasionally not, not going to be very happy. But for the most part, if he had the, ex the expectation met that he knew what to expect next, then things would be a lot better. So on this occasion, when the hitting escalated, it was because of a series of triggers that in the past would have caused problems and obviously was going to cause problems on that day. And uh, just a long story short, we discovered that he had certain needs that were being unmet and we were able to meet them better and help him through a very hard time, which is still going on. It's ongoing. We are actually going to be uh, leaving for a new, a new country, a new city, another new school. And I'm aware, very hyper aware that there are certain triggers in, in the environment that are causing him to uh, feel out of control. And we've, we've also saw a psychologist who recommended an OT assessment. And that has really made the world of difference for us. So I just want to say that these little moments where you add connection to the day are so integral and they don't have to be long. They don't have to be, you know, an hour or three hours of total connection because this is very hard for anyone to sustain. But five minutes here, two minutes there, 15 minutes here and there. I just add adding value to your relationship and really saying, I see you, I feel you, I hear you. This is absolutely one of the best ways that you can address any challenging behavior. Again, it's not everything. Sometimes your connection is solid, but your child may still be in doubt and that's just a child that has a bit more problems with, uh, with, with certain skills and we have to meet them where they are and maybe your other child is fine but needs a bit more uh, independence in their environment which is structured or maybe they need a bit um, like to learn a competency that is going to help them to feel effective in their environment. So for example, in order to use scissors, a child has got to have a certain, uh, you know, understanding of grip, pressure. They have to do a lot of clay or, or uh, play with Play-Doh to really build that strength or do something where they're building the strength in their hand. And so focusing on that type of activity, a child is naturally going to be inclined towards Play-Doh or something like that because they're going to see that uh, this is making me stronger. This is this is building, you know, building up my my hand strength. They don't make the connection that now I'm going to be able to do scissors, 
but uh, you can kind of look at them. And in Montessori, we want to really look at them. We only want to give them something that they're capable of doing. And this is a very ideal situation because if you're not trained, or even if you're just beginning, it's hard for you to see, oh, they're ready for this. They're ready for scissors or they're ready for um, whatever. But the rule of thumb is, you know, if they're not ready for scissors, then doing like ripping things with them, though that is definitely going to help their hand strength. And just going to Pinterest and just looking at all the activities they have available. So your child can be frustrated for a number of reasons. It doesn't have to be you. It could be the environment. It could be triggers with lights. It could be any number of things. So just having that awareness and that curiosity, which is what we're really going to talk about in, uh, in tips 11 through 16. Absolutely. It can change your life to think about how to add value to your environment. What can I add? Not take away. What can I add to make things better? And the, one of the best things I found that you can add is teamwork and a set time to have this teamwork. I will talk about family meetings in the next tip. This is absolutely the most wonderful thing you can do to really build your team, not just as parents, but as a family.